Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we're going to have a lengthy discussion with Dr. Robert Cialdini. Dr. Cialdini is uh, with the Department of Psychology at Arizona State University. He has had extensive scholarly training in the psychology of influence, which he's combined with over 30 years of research into the subject, which included such things as studying how to sell vacuum cleaners and attending Tupperware parties. This, <laughs> this should be interesting. Stay tuned for that in our second segment. I believe we mentioned uh, last week that we were expecting to have John Perkins on, the author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Unfortunately, John Perkins has had a little bit of a medical problem and is going to have to delay an appearance on our show or probably any others, uh, probably to the end of the summer, but uh, we will hopefully have him on in September. On this date in history, in 1908, as the sun set over the Tunguska River in central Siberia, herders in the sparsely populated area witnessed the approach of a giant fireball with a trail that stretched 800 kilometers behind it in the darkening sky. Once this huge object impacted our atmosphere, it blew up with the force of 2,000 Hiroshima-sized atomic bombs. It appears the Earth was struck by a rather small, stony asteroid. And um, interestingly, it blew up completely in the atmosphere, did not create a crater in the ground, but felled trees in a blast pattern uh, like spokes of a wheel all around the air blast site. It, uh, it still is uh, being investigated by scientists. There's a lot we don't know about what happened back in 1908. But uh, it was not, as some have suggested, the blowing up of the atomic reactor of a UFO. And I hope that you checked out a couple of nights ago uh, the conjunction in the sky between the planets of Venus and Mercury. Um, they were so close that I, I think that it was possible to imagine that you couldn't have distinguished the two of them, which really surprises me. I've heard of that happening on rare occasions with planetary alignments. Uh, when I saw it on Monday night, I could tell the two apart, but apparently I missed their closest approach on Sunday. Thanks to, well, I'm not going to go into it, but but unfortunately I missed it. But it was really quite quite an amazing to see two planets that close. I mean, perhaps one-tenth the diameter of the full moon apart. Very close. All right, we've got, we've got numerous humorous items here we need to, to uh, I think, cite first. The Onion headline, June 9th issue, Bush lifts ban on vigilantism. Let's see what happens, says President. They've got a picture of him wielding a shotgun from the podium in the White House press room. Article, Washington, D.C. In a striking departure from centuries of American belief in rule of law, President Bush gave his approval Monday to a limited experiment in public vigilantism, quote, to see if it works, unquote. 
Vigilantes have an undeserved reputation for recklessness, Republican pollster Jennifer Mendenhall said. As we phase vigilantism in, be prepared to hear a lot about mobocracies and tyrannies of the bat-wielding, roving majorities. That rhetoric is meant to scare peaceful citizens into thinking they need magisterial authority to protect their interests. But vigilantism is not about crazed drunkards clustering in town squares, waving pitchforks and crying out for blood. It's about an opportunity to let Americans serve as their neighbors, meter maids, correctional officers, chiefs of police, or if necessary, SWAT teams. And uh, speaking of rule of law, you may have noticed that the Senate a couple weeks back decided, although it may be too little and too late, they did decide to pass a resolution condemning lynching. However, you should be advised that numerous senators felt that this condemnation of lynching might be going just a little bit too far. Refusing to sign on on this condemnation of the uh, widespread practice of uh, grabbing people and administering uh, uh, quick justice by hanging them from the neck until dead were Senators Lamar Alexander of Tennessee, Robert Bennett of Utah, Christopher Bond of Missouri, Jim Bunning of Kentucky, Senator Burns of Montana, Chambliss of Georgia, Cochran of Mississippi, Conrad of North Dakota, Corn of Texas, Cropo of Indiana, Enzi of Wyoming, Grassley of Iowa, Greg of New Hampshire, Hatch of Utah, Lott of Mississippi, Murkowski of Arkansas, Shelby of Alabama, Sununu of New Hampshire, Thomas of Wyoming, and Voinovich of Ohio. Yes, folks, that's 19 Republicans and one Democrat who decided that condemning lynching was something they just couldn't sign on with. No reason given, but you know, I, I would note the, the, the seismic change that's taken place in this country since I was a boy, since we talked about on last week's program, uh, the conviction of the man responsible for uh, the murders of um, civil rights workers Cheney, Goodman, and Schwerner in 1964. Uh, back then, all the kind of people that uh, seemed to think lynching wasn't such a bad idea tended to be Democrats. And now it seems to be 19 to 1 Republican. I guess we'll have to wait and see if a resolution that condemns child molestation have these same abstentions on, on moral grounds. And from the Commonwealth of Kentucky, we have the following email sent to us by Julie. Apparently state legislators everywhere seem to just not have enough hobbies. To excerpt, an act relating to state emblems. Whereas milk production and the manufacture of dairy products are major contributors to the economic well-being of Kentucky agriculture, and whereas there were 1,614 dairy farms in Kentucky with a milk production value of 213 million, and whereas, 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 whereas milk and milk products promote and maintain strong bones and good health, now, therefore, be it enacted by the General Assembly of the Commonwealth of Kentucky, milk is named and designated as the official state drink of Kentucky. And when we reported a few weeks back that uh, the town of Salem, Massachusetts had uh, experienced the unveiling of a statue 
of 1960s TV icon Samantha Stevens of Bewitched, we did not know at that time that there was an upcoming Bewitched movie starring Nicole Kidman and Will Ferrell. So it would seem that the uh, the bronze statue sponsored by the TV Land cable network uh, may have had an ulterior motive. And um, let me make a note of this. By the time we're on next, we're going to find out which conglomerate in the media owns TV Land Cable Network because I have a sneaking suspicion that same conglomerate owns the film company that produced the Bewitch movie. Stay tuned. And if any of you out there can research that for us, send us a note at info at radioparallax.com. We'd like to hear from you. All right, and one last humorous miscellaneous item, the opinion section of The Onion noted that last week, former FBI agent Mark Felt revealed that he was Deep Throat, the anonymous source that helped break the Watergate scandal. What do you think, six citizens were asked? (laughs) Said Francis Major, receptionist, I had my money on former Nixon speechwriter Ben Stein, largely because I'm ignorant and he's been on TV. Carlos Barenza, a musician, said, He didn't also kill JFK, did he? I'd like to tie up as many loose ends as possible this week. And finally, Tad Hewer, systems analyst, was quoted as saying, I'm just glad that longtime suspect Henry Kissinger has finally been vindicated. It's about time his name was cleared of any lingering charges of right-doing. All right, let's do our good week for bad week for section from The Week magazine because I just love these every single week. All right, last week's issue, The Week, noted that it was a good week for... Making do after Russia's National Alcohol Association reported that a heavy new tax on vodka had led to a 38% increase in the consumption of surrogate liquors, homemade beverages made from perfume, skincare products, and antifreeze. And please do not try to drink ethylene glycol. It's, it's poisonous. It's rat poison. Anyway, there are going to be a lot, of, a lot of kidneys wiped out over in, the, in, in, in Russia. All right. It was a bad week. The Week magazine noted for rude surprises after a number of Chicago drivers left their cars in what appeared to be free, legal parking places. When they returned, they found that parking meters had been installed and they'd been ticketed. Boy, I hope Heather Fargo doesn't hear about that one. Uh, and you know, they talk about DNA tests and, and the importance, how they can be used in important cases. Well, they can apparently be used in unimportant cases too because The Week noted it was a bad week for Hamburglers. After three men who robbed a Virginia McDonald's more than a year ago were finally arrested after being identified by the DNA they left on their half-eaten quarter pounders. You know there's a story behind that. How? Well, we're going to look into that, I hope. We're going to add that to our pizza guy shot in the leg follow-up story. All right, and finally, it was a good week, a good week for Rookie Mistakes. After a first-time bank robber in Minnesota handed a teller a note that began, Hi, I'm Thomas Mason. (laughs) Mason, 37, who was arrested shortly afterward, also said in the note that while he didn't have a gun on him at the moment, he knew where he could probably get one. All right, from the Only in America file, black activists are demanding removal of a new Tutankhamun exhibit because it makes the boy king seem too white, in their opinion. 
Along with 130 artifacts from Tutankhamun's tomb, the exhibit features three new busts derived from CT scans of his mummy. Curators claim the busts have a mid-range skin tone, but the activists say they should be darker. Do not deprive black children of their heritage, said Legrand Clegg, one of the protest organizers. Egypt is on the continent of Africa. Well, I hate to point it out to Legrand Clegg, but I've been in those tombs over in the Valley of the Kings, and um, it's clearly demarcated on the tomb walls the different types of armies that had been run into in ancient Egypt, and the Egyptian army did not look like the Nubian army, which did not look like the army that came from the Hittites, and, um, well, they, they all looked distinctly different, and the ancient Egyptians were not black. So my guess is that the mid-range skin tone they selected is probably based on very sound historical evidence from the tombs of Egypt themselves. Right, let's do a little bit from the, the people file today. Apparently, the Church of Scientology has assigned Katie Holmes a handler who follows the actress everywhere. Holmes, who became engaged last week to ardent Scientologist Tom Cruise, is now accompanied everywhere by an official, Jessica Rodriguez. Jessica is reporting back to top-level people on a daily basis about how Kate is faring, a former Scientologist told the New York Post. In all my years with the church, I never saw them assign a handler to travel with a celeb. They're obviously worried that Katie's conversion will backfire. And I love this item. Neil Diamond's girlfriend apparently doesn't love him for his music, said Francis Hardy in the London da Daily Mail. For the last nine years, the 64-year-old singer has been living with Rachel Farley, a beautiful 34-year-old who is partially deaf. According to Diamond, Rachel does not hear 70% of what goes on around her. There are only certain frequencies she can tune into. So I can't imagine what she hears when she listens to my songs. I'm not sure that Rachel can hear any of my music, but she likes me anyway. Maybe that is one of the main reasons for the attraction. Well, having had some familiarity with Neil Diamond's music over the years, I, 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 am, I'm, I think that the fact that his girlfriend is deaf is not an accident. God, here's something I did a commentary on uh, for the good people over at Cap Radio a couple years ago. Item from the consu ConsumerAffairs.com. With the emergence of West Nile virus, the use of backyard bug zappers to help reduce the mosquito population is on the rise. The problem is repeated studies strongly suggest, uh, and in some cases clearly demonstrate, that these devices have no benefit for outdoor mosquito control. They do kill bugs, people give that satisfying zapping sound, but they kill the wrong kind of bugs. Um, <laughs> studies have shown the zappers are actually killing mostly non-biting aquatic insects or predators and parasites, while killing only a small fraction of mosquitoes and biting flies. So folks, save your money. The bug zapper is not going to help you, even though it, uh, you know, if you really, if you just hate bugs, You'll be able to kill quite a few of them, but the trouble is they're, they're the good bugs. Ah, George Bush gave a speech a couple days ago defending what's going on over in Iraq. Um, there's been a rising tide of questioning going on in this country over what is happening over there. 
San Francisco Chronicle uh, in last Sunday's edition had, had numerous quotes. I want to actually cite a couple of those. Vice President Dick Cheney said on Larry King's show on May 30th, I think the level of activity that we see today from a military standpoint, I think will clearly decline. I think they're in their last throes, if you will, of the insurgency. To those of us old enough to remember the comment by General William Westmoreland that that he could see the light at the end of the tunnel in Vietnam, this uh, has uh, an all too familiar ring to it. But President Bush, in a Rose Garden press conference on May 31st, said the following, I'm pleased with the progress. I'm pleased that in less than a year's time, there's a democratically elected government in Iraq. There are thousands of Iraqi soldiers trained and better equipped to fight for their own country, that our strategy is very clear, and that we will work to get them ready to fight, and when they're ready, we'll come home. All right, your homework would be to try and unveil how many true statements there were in that remark uh, from the Rose Garden. Personally, I'm not pleased that the president is pleased with the progress. uh, I'm not pleased that he thinks there's a democratically elected government in Iraq because evidently his concept of a democratically elected government in Iraq is not the same as most people's. Uh, There is no functioning democracy in Iraq. And as for uh, whether our strategy is very clear... Well, you make the call on that, dear listener. But I would note that uh, Senator Chuck Hagel, Republican from Nebraska, does not agree, noting in U.S. News & World Report um, a few days ago, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. The White House is completely disconnected from reality. It's like they're just making it up as they go along. The reality is that we're losing in Iraq. And according to General John Abizade, leader of U.S. troops in the Middle East, speaking to the Senate Armed Services Committee last Thursday, quote, I believe there are more foreign fighters coming into Iraq than there were six months ago, end quote. And it would appear that we're up against it on time on this segment, so we're not going to be able to discuss Mother Jones's article about uh, how think tanks and journalists funded by ExxonMobil are out to convince you that global warming is a hoax, or The Economist's article about what we might expect after the fall of housing prices. Except as we go to break, I just have to quote from The Economist because of the way the British use the language. Many people protest that house prices are less vulnerable to a meltdown. Houses, they argue, are not paper wealth like shares. You can live in them. Houses cannot be sold as quickly as shares, making a price crash less likely. It is true that house prices do not plummet like a brick. They tend to drift downward more like a brick with a parachute attached. But when they land, it still hurts. Let's take a break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. You're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. It is only a paper moon Hanging over a cardboard seat But wouldn't be make-believe If you believe in me It is only a canvas sky Sailing over a muslin tree But it wouldn't be make-believe If you believe in me Without your love It's a honky-tonk parade 